Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of When Life is Messy. I am super excited today because we're actually going to be in Galatians chapter 2 in the New Testament. So you can be going ahead and making your way over there. Uh, and while you're doing that, um, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this for a while now. And, you know, one of the identifying markers of just being human is even at a young age, um, is really about making decisions. And, you know, I was thinking about it uh, back when I was going from eighth grade, just ending that year, going into freshman year of high school. So many changes during that time of of life. And one particular instance of that was I had to make the life-changing decision, the life choice of... Should I play baseball in high school or should I continue to play the snare drum in music and continue playing in the band in high school? Because as you know, in high school, it's it's really, there's between studying and classes and, and then tag on extracurricular activities, there really is only one uh, room for only one. You can. It's either A or B. And as a as a young teenager, I just remember that being such a hard and daunting thought that I had to willingly choose one to neglect the other. And it really set the backdrop of what it means to set a priority. And it's it's really the case with as being a human that we have to make decisions every day. It is one of the key components of of being that is it's an identifying marker. And likewise, just in our everyday lives, it's also that way in our Christian lives as well for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And so, as you make your way to Galatians, we're going to be talking about choices as as Christians. And what does it mean to when we have two different options, two different things that we love and are passionate about, but we have to willingly choose to do either A or B, because we cannot do both. Colton, what are you talking about? Well, to kick us off here, let's just go ahead and um, read the passage. And we're, we're actually going to be doing something that we have not done so far in this series. And what I mean by that is, up to this point, we have, uh, when we've tackled a certain passage of Scripture... Uh, we've we've tackled at least either a chapter or at least four or more verses at a time. But there are some cases where a passage of Scripture is so jam-packed with such goodness and, and layers that we have to unpack that it's necessary to just really hit the pause button 
and and stop to really focus on just a single verse and give it that specialized attention. And that is what we will be doing today. And we are going to be focusing on Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in and start our time together today. So it says this, and this is uh, Paul writing here, Galatians 2, chapter, or Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live, excuse me, says, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Amen. All right, now that is a short and sweet verse. However, it is jam-packed with a lot of layers that I believe is necessary um, to kind of unpack because I don't know about you, but when I was reading this and throughout my whole life, I've been a Christian, wow, for about 20 years now. I can't believe it's been that long. However, um, you know, there's certain verses that even though you live, you know, years on and years out, there's still some verses that just kind of trip you up. And this is one of those verses that's been the case for me for many, many years. You know, I read it, but I've ultimately, if I'm honest with with myself, up until recent years, it's really just been the case where I'm just kind of glossing over it in the bigger picture of the rest of the of the um, of the letter. <clears throat> and if you'll know, um, Galatians is part of the letters of Paul, which we refer to as the prison epistles. And essentially what that means is when Paul was writing the letters of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, um, these are letters that he is writing from prison to all of these different cities. If you didn't know, that's where we get the names of these letters. It's Galatians, which means it's uh, written to the church in the city of Galatia, in the city of Colossae, in the city of Ephesus, and so on and so forth. And a fun fact about uh, the church in Galatians, just to uh, give you a little backdrop, because as you well know, uh, my personal conviction when studying scripture is that context always determine the meaning. In other words, it will scripture will never mean what it never meant. And so it's not going to mean something to us today that it did not originally mean to the original audience that Paul was writing to in the first place. So in order to get the full grasp of what Paul is trying to say to us today, we've kind of got to get a general sense of what the backdrop 
of of what it is that he was telling and trying to communicate to his audience um, and brothers and sisters in the church of Galatia. So, <clears throat> a fun fact. So, in the in the city of Galatia, Paul had, if you'll, if you'll recall, Paul was a essentially an, a first century uh, missionary. So his job was go to a city for a short amount of time and birth and start that church and kind of jumpstart it and and help it to launch for either a few months to a few years and then ultimately he would move on and uh, and go and do the same thing in another city <clears throat> and in the case with uh, the Galatians, it's Paul has already done this process and he's moved on. And in this case, he's in prison. <laughs> um, but he's heard that the church that he started, now that they have kind of, their growth as Christians has kind of been stunted by outside influencers and false teachers who have said really placing some serious elements of doubt in their faith. And and Paul kind of responds a little differently than he responds to all the other letters in his uh in his repertoire. In the case that in the first chapter he kind of says essentially he's like, guys, what are you doing? You started out so strong. And don't let these naysayers just trip you up. Remember what I taught you in the first place and remember the essentials, the fundamentals of the faith and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not it's not Jesus plus fill in the blank. It's only Jesus. That is the only true gospel and nothing else in its purest form. And so you could say that the first century Christians, particularly in the city of Galatia, were really dealing with a crisis of identity. You know, what does it mean to be a Christian in their day? And, you know, it's funny how human beings... We don't really change that much. Don't you don't you think? Because I don't know about you, but when I have been thinking about this idea of Christians I struggling with their identity in Christ, it was the same two thousand years ago. And wow, what do you know? It's still the same today. Huh. And who says the Bible is boring and not applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago? I pose to say that's just mere rubbish. So, what is, how can we approach this? <clears throat> well, essentially, um, in the case of this verse, which is really 
Paul kind of is laser focused on the Galatians' identity in Christ alone. He tackles three different elements of identities. And the first of which is he he deals with their identity of Christ's death. What do I mean by that? Let's look at the verse again. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, essentially, he's saying that I am no longer in the driver's seat. Christ is my source of authority, and he is making the decisions in my life. And I am willingly giving up that authority and giving it to Jesus. Because don't don't we want to have control so much of our life? You know, when things are hard uh, and things seem to be just unwinding in life, what do we do as humans? We 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 hold on tighter just to just to grasp on, you know, and we just try harder. Well, we say things like, you know, if if I can only try harder in life, then I, then I can be better. And we've got to remember, though, that his way is ultimately better than ours. You know, he in uh, this verse, he talks about the idea of flesh. Is he talking about the <clears throat> our skin that covers our veins and our bones and on our biological bodies? Uh, no. In this case, and usually in the Bible, uh, the reference to flesh is essentially referring to our heart and our center of motives and our decision-making headquarters, if you will. And when we think about it, that really drives every single decision in our lives. And in any circumstance, we can either choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. You know, I heard it said that it's kind of like when dealing with the spirit versus the flesh. It's kind of like we have to kill or starve the flesh if we want to carry out and be led by the Spirit and do the right thing. Because, you know, it's kind of like um, feeding two lions. We can only feed one of them. And whichever one you feed more gets bigger and dominates. So the choice for us today and 
by the way, this is the the title of our message today is simply the choice is yours. And so <clears throat> we have to choose. We have the free will to choose to be led by our flesh or led by the Spirit of God. The identity of death in Christ. The second thing that we see from this passage is the identity of being in Christ as opposed to Christ and us or Christ plus me. And that again comes back to the element of wanting to be in control in our in our own lives and being so hesitant to to let Christ have control and to trust him <clears throat> let's look back at the verse in the second part after he says i have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer i who live but Christ lives in me now, Paul, if you're familiar with his writings, he references this language in virtually all of his letters. You'll see this phrase, two words, simple but profound, repeated, or, uh, repeated just saying, in him, in him, in him, over and over and over. And the more you read it, throughout the different letters, you, you gain a more broad understanding of what he is trying to communicate. <clears throat> you know, uh, it was essentially, there's, there's only one throne in everyone's heart. And who sits there? You or God? Because, you know, there's only room for one, not both. And again, the choice is ours to make. Because God did not create us to be robots. But he gave us the gift of free will to be able to choose to love him and subject ourselves under his authority and to obey him or we also have the freedom to say you know what god i'm going to choose door number two thanks for the fire insurance but uh yeah i'm gonna keep on doing my thing over here thanks i'll see you later But for those who go down that road, they can attest. I'm sure if you do some kind of uh, case study of the elderly people, um, you know, in their 90s or whatever, um, whether there be Christians, particularly, who have ultimately, you know, strayed and, you know, done their own thing for years and years and years and years, but ultimately they've come back 
And they can say that their life was miserable when they were in the driver's seat of their own lives, doing their own thing, fulfilling every lustful passion that they ever wanted to do, and nothing was fulfilling. Nothing ever came up close to being that true sense of satisfaction because that can be only found in Christ as Christians. The third thing that we see from this, just this single verse, again, this is amazing that just one verse can pack such a big punch, is that it deals with the identity of faith as opposed to identity of fear. And again, God gives us the choice every single day whether it be our attitude and our circumstances and our finances and our family, fill in the blank. Are you going to have the attitude of being faithful and trusting that God has this under control? Or, or are you going to just clench your fists and try to retain as much control as possible Ultimately, at the end of the day, just to be miserable and saying, you know, I screwed up. I can't do this any longer. God gives us the choice to live by faith or to live and be controlled and ruled by fear. You know, for the longest time, I mentioned earlier about how how this verse mentions flesh. But for the longest time, I'll ask the question, like, how does faith um, fit into the equation with, with flesh? Because if you look at the verse one more time, again, this is kind of a, a long verse that has been split into three different parts, if you will. And the last and third part of this verse, it says this. It says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Why does Paul articulate this so, like, specifically? You know, it's kind of like he's he's saying the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Okay, as opposed to what? <laughs> you know, I've always wondered that. And essentially, what he's saying is that because again, we have the option to live by faith or by fear. Paul says this, um Faith must dominate our flesh. Because here's the truth. As humans, we're made up of flesh and spirit, body and soul. 
you know, on this side of heaven, as, you know, and up until we die, um, we are always having to deal with and reconcile and, you know, and really try to understand our flesh and how that fits into the equation of, of, um, you know, living the Christian life. And as I've said before, um, I believe a, a personal conviction of mine is that <clears throat> context determines meaning. And that's the case with Galatians as well. And so in order to, to really kind of fill in the blanks a little bit to give us a better understanding of the whole conflict, the internal conflict with flesh and spirit and how it's a constant battle. You know, we have two different options. We can make option A or B. We can choose door number one or door number two. We both, we do, we want to do both of them, but we can only do one of them. All right, so <clears throat> turn with me in uh, chapter 5. Uh, now remember, this is letters. You know, we, no one writes letters anymore. Uh, it's, it's 2019. So if Paul was, um, <clears throat> if he was living today in 2019, this would be the equivalent of him writing this massive email to his his buddies over in New York or over in Los Angeles, you know, and a church that he has, he has planted, but he's somewhere else, but he is wanting to give them some further guidance and some further counseling as they continue along their spiritual growth journey as Christians. And so in order to grasp this understanding, we have to read the rest of the email <laughs> to the Galatians. And so look with me uh, in Galatians 5, um, verse 17, <clears throat> Paul says this. He says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you want to do. Man, there's always these internal battles and struggles in scripture. Why is that? Well, first and foremost, it's not boring. And secondly, you know, this, if, if we believe that the Bible is our source of authority to help us navigate through this thing called life as Christians, it has to accurately reflect how to deal with circumstances and different conflicts that we encounter each and every day or else it and provide a solution for it or else it would just be like we're you know reading a a fairy tale you know um and so <clears throat> it presents the bible presents real co consequential um life circumstances that are, you know, constant internal battles and struggles and also um, that of with other people. And in this case, you know, this is a battle against ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we have two different opposing forces 
within ourselves as Christians um, that are constantly at war each and every day. <laughs> and uh, that reminds me, you know, a lot of people have told me, and I've heard it said so many times that, man, whenever I become a Christian, it's just going to be, everything's going to be better, and I'm going to have no more problems, and we're going to ride off in the sunset, and it's just going to be absolutely splendid. Well, again, that may work for Cinderella, <clears throat> but it's simply not the truth. And this is, this is why. It's because essentially when, when you become a Christian, as we've uh, talked about before in our other episodes, we have an adversary, an enemy, an enemy of God. And therefore, as we are God's children, an enemy of us, he is going to try to take us down and to try to derail us distract us, and discourage us every single day. <clears throat> and in fact, you could even say that our flesh is Satan's sword. Satan's already powerful by himself, but our flesh appeals to the things of Satan, our adversary. And so he uses our own flesh against us. And for the longest, you know, like I said, I've been a Christian for, man, 20 years or so. And for the longest time, I've I've been like, God, I quit, you know, because I quit just trying harder, doing life with my own power, and then just trying to apply and understand this verse as a, you know, an afterthought. It doesn't work. Why? You know, because I've never really understood and applied this verse under your authoritative power of God. Why does this not work? Well, as we've said in Galatians 5.17, which we just looked at, um, the spirit and the flesh are in constant opposition to one another. And you're like, Colton, you just, that's cool, bro. You just made that up and, you know. But where else in Scripture does it give evidence for this theory of yours? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, because actually, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, which is in the Old Testament, it's written literally hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ was even born. Jeremiah the prophet says this in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. He says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is de desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man 
and woman according to his own ways, according to the results of his or her actions. Wow. He's not pulling any punches, is he? He's, he's shooting pretty straight. And rightfully so, because, again, life, the quality of our lives is in the balance, is at, is at stake here. And, you know, Christ said that he came so that we, I believe it's in Luke chapter 2, 10 verse 10 where it says um, the enemy or Satan only comes to steal kill and destroy but I Jesus speaking came to give you life and life to the fullest or give you life abundantly And again, the choice is ours to make. We can either live knowing that our own flesh can constantly um, be denied and let Christ rule our lives each and every day, or we can just try to try harder, you know? We can also live every day with the intentionality that Christ in us is our source of power versus Christ plus me. You know, basically the idea of, yeah, God, let's just be straight. I mean, you got this, but, you know, you need me too, right? You know, when making decisions in my own life, after all, it's my life, you know. Uh, and thirdly, we have the identity of faith or fear. Living by faith or living by fear, which one will be our identity? <clears throat> and uh, a few years ago, when I was really dealing with this, um, I essentially said, Lord, please take me deeper because I, I get the gravity of what you're saying, but I'm letting my own flesh get in the way. And, you know, maybe that might be you today and you're having that same internal struggle with doing what's easy rather than doing what is right only because you're getting some resistance that was me for many years and it is it's never going to go away honestly is is the fact that that's why in in luke 9 23 jesus says this to his followers his disciples he's saying you know Guys, if anyone wants to come after me and follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Essentially, you know, he's saying that, guys, you've chose to come with me 
But I'm going to warn you because this, the road's not easy. It's going to be rough. It's going to be bumpy. And I'm forewarning you. That, but if you want to go down this path with me, here's what you got to do. You got to put me before yourself. You've got to realize that living the Christian life is going to be you're going to have to make some tough decisions at points and it's not it's going to be uncomfortable a lot but ultimately when you do that you will be truly following me and living the abundant life and you're going to be able to win in the end you're like Colton that's wow that's a lot of stuff and what do you what's the main point what are you getting at What's the main takeaway that we can we can take to the bank and and really remember for today? <clears throat> Man, I'm so glad you asked. Here's the thing, guys. It's in this verse, just this one verse, we can take away that <clears throat> because Christ defeated death and loves us. We can choose to crucify or deny our flesh every single day. And remember, you know, at the very end of this verse, um, in, in verse 20, the last clause here, it says, uh, after he says, I live by faith in the Son of God, it has this, Last clause, it says, Who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, Paul is saying, Oh, by the way, guys, this is what he did, but this is why he did it. This is his reasoning. This is his heart. This is his motive. God's not this deistic being far, far away um, up in the galaxy. He is... A God who loves you. And he came to this earth 2,000 years ago, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we can be reconciled with God if we simply believe in him and trust him so that once we die, and that's essentially when our spirit separates from our body, we can be welcomed into God's presence forever. Because Christ defeated death and loves us, we can choose to crucify or deny our flesh every single day. And essentially, you know, that is our hope. You know, when when life gets hard and when life is messy, no pun intended, um, How can we keep going? Well, we need to remember that Christ is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And our scripture also says, says that, um, you know, the enemy is powerful, but take heart. or In other words, be encouraged because Christ 
is more powerful than the one who is in this world. In other words, he's talking about uh, our adversary, Satan, who try, tries to, again, what is his mission? He tries to discourage, distract, and derail us every single day with each and every decision. <clears throat> like, man, don't be a Debbie, Debbie Downer, Colton. Well, our hope, the reason that we can keep on going is that because we know that God loves us and he is for us. All right, guys. Until next time, we will see you then. All right. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye.